When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We can't get away from it, can we? Today, we are going to have to talk quarterbacks again. New news yesterday on the Geno Smith front, but not enough to quash the ongoing debate about what the Seahawks should do at quarterback. And that fire has been fueled even more by the fact the Seahawks are meeting with the top quarterback prospects at the combine. What does it mean? Could mean everything, could mean nothing. I'll weigh in on that and take this opportunity to unveil to you finally my top 10 quarterback prospect rankings a day ahead of the quarterback throwing session at the Combine. We're talking signal callers today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now here's your host, Dan Viennes. If you're listening on audio, you can hear episodes without ads on Spotify. You can subscribe for less than a dollar a month. That link will be in the description on any other platform. Just be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video, hit that bell notification so you always are alerted to when there are new episodes and please subscribe to the channel. Or you can just buy me a coffee or a beer to help support me in the channel if you like the show right here. Link also in the description. As I said, we just can't get away from it. It's Obviously, it's the focal point of any football team. And it also elicits the strongest reactions from fans, positively and negatively. Yesterday, Jordan Schultz reporting that the Seahawks have informed Geno Smith that he will be on the roster. This is the way it was worded. He will be on the roster under his current contract coming up this season. The most definitive news to this point that the Seahawks have committed to Geno Smith, but still not worded in such a way that was definitive enough for some to uh, to understand that Geno's going to be the guy this year. And maybe he's not. And so I thought I would kind of uh, break this down, read read the tea leaves between the lines, try to connect dots. It's what, it's what I like to do. It's what we like about this process, this time of year. And, and it's just the way my brain thinks, right? So I thought I would do this in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, first, by r- sort of reminding you, hold on here, let me get some of these graphics ready. Uh, let me break it down this way. Brian Nemhauser tweeted this morning, uh, I thought he, he, Capsulized, uh, capsulated this, encapsulated it, capsulized it, capsulized it. I've only had a half a cup of coffee so far today, so the vocab might not quite be up to speed. Um, 
I thought he broke it down in, in a very clear and concise way. He said, yesterday's news could mean one of these two things. A, that there was never any intent to trade Geno Smith, because that's been a lot of the speculation, right? When they converted his salary to a roster bonus or to a signing bonus last week, they didn't have to do it this early. Some thought that it was a precursor to a potential move where it would make him a little more attractive to the acquiring team. They would incur just a, I think it was a $12.6 million cap hit and the Seahawks would eat $27 million in dead money. Makes him more attractive to trade for. So Brian says, who's been on the show, obviously the main host over at Hawk Blogger, uh, A, never any intent to move him at all. And the Seahawks just botched these press appearances. This didn't handle it right. You know, that that John might have thought he was saying, yeah, Gino's our guy, but he didn't say it the right way. Or B, they did try to trade him and they couldn't find the market they were hoping for. Now, the truth could also be C, a little bit of both, right? I mean, John's always going to be open to anything, any GM is, especially one that doesn't have a clear cut young franchise quarterback. The teams that have them are lucky and the teams that don't have them are always looking for them. Churning through them these days, more willing to move on from them quickly than ever. Even when they're still in their rookie contract, look what the Chicago Bears are doing this year. Arizona Cardinals did that recently as well. We've seen other examples of that. And so of course he's going to explore options. And if anybody out there had been willing to give up something of value for Gino, then I don't think John Schneider is so enamored with him or tied to him. Certainly not at his age, Gino's age, that he wouldn't be open to it. I don't think he's ever indicated to us in, in any way, shape or form that that's how he felt about Gino Smith. But I've said this before, did a show about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm about to show you one of the graphics that I used on that show. It's a buyer's market this offseason. A historically rich, I don't know, tre treasure trove might be a little bit of a strong statement. You know, beauty's in the eye the, of, of the beholder. Um, but there's an unusually high number of targets and available quarterbacks for quarterback needy teams this year. So let me just show you that graphic again, if you're watching here on YouTube, by three different options, right? In the draft, I've only listed the top six. There are obviously more than that. But Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, all have been mocked at some time by some outlet to be first-round picks. Probably won't all go in the first round, but it is the strongest quarterback class in a long time. Free agency, there are options. More options than usual. Typically, the quarterback free agent list in the offseason is you're just you're bargain basement shopping. But this year, even though he's coming off a major injury, Kirk Cousins is out there. Baker Mayfield is out there. Russell Wilson hasn't been released yet by the Broncos, but he's expected to be. Ryan Tannehill, Gardner Minshew. Those are just five guys that you can have without giving up anything but money. And then there's the trade market. 
Justin Fields is in play. Zach Wilson has been given permission now officially by the Jets to seek a trade, just the second pick in the draft just three years ago. Jake Browning could be had after playing so well in place of Joe Burrow last year. Sam Howell, who got off the, the great start last year in just his second year, has some upside. Mac Jones, first-round pick. Desmond Ritter, second-round pick. And so, of course, if an NFL team is looking for a quarterback and wants a quarterback, even a bridge quarterback, they have options that aren't going to cost them draft capital. Draft capital that is more treasured now by NFL teams than ever before, especially in a draft that is generally considered not as deep as others. Because again, NIL has sort of robbed from the back end of the draft. Guys that aren't getting the feedback they want from the draft advisory committee from the NFL can get money to stay in college. And so this isn't considered that deep of a draft. So teams may be more willing than, than ever to hold on to their draft picks and less willing to trade them because it just increases their odds they're going to find some players. Now, if this had been, oh, two years ago, 2022, when the draft featured uh, such luminaries as Kenny Pickett, the aforementioned Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, who's out of football now, Malik Willis, who remember just two years ago when Malik Willis was being mocked to the Seahawks with the ninth pick in the draft. And Sam Howell also in that draft, a fifth round pick. Of course, the best player out of that draft at the quarterback position was the last player taken in the draft, uh, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. So if, if we were looking at a class like that, and you had all these teams that I, that I pointed out the other day. I think, you know, it's pretty easy to see that there are seven or eight that you could call quarterback needy teams. And not all of those are going to choose to go with a rookie quarterback. There would have been a much bigger market for a guy like Geno. A very, very solid, middle of the pack, league average or better, I would argue, quarterback option at a reasonable price. That market just isn't there because the possibilities are endless. And it's way too early. It's way too early. There's still a chance, depending on how the draft goes, that Geno Smith could be on another roster come the beginning of the season, despite Schultz's report. Things change. And so regardless of whatever side of the argument you sit on, and, and all you have to do is spend two minutes on Twitter and you see the, the range. You know, and, and, and it's, it's definitely a bell curve, right? The, the, I think, from what I see and hear and, and conversations I have with people, the vast majority of the fan base tends to believe that Geno's a very solid quarterback. They can win with him. They're excited to see what he can do with, with Ryan Grubb now calling plays and coordinating the offense. They understand that he's not the guy long-term. They'd like to find that guy, but it's not going to happen today. And then you have the ends of the curve, which some believe that Gino is the man and they should just commit to him for as long as he's playing. And then there are others who think that, that they should absolutely do everything within their power to get a new quarterback yesterday. 
so for those people, the ones at either end of the spectrum, I would just encourage you to listen to what John Schneider is saying and also what he isn't saying. He has never said, despite this report yesterday, again, the way it was worded, he has never committed to Gino as the guy. In his first press conference after Pete Carroll was fired, he was asked about Gino, and he's very lukewarm, very open and honest about it. Got off to the great start two years ago, struggled at the end, got off to the poor start this year, played well at the end, can do better. But he hasn't, also hasn't said, now we got to identify our guy. We got to find our guy. And that's just GM speak. He's not going to give that away. However, now we're starting to see who the Seahawks are interviewing at the combine. And these are, these are limited. Used to be 60. You used to be allowed 60 20 minute sessions. It's been cut back to 45. You can only interview, there's 341 prospects at the combine. And you can only request 45 official interviews with these players. And they last 18 minutes long. And there is a giant, in fact, there are multiple. I saw uh, some shots of it yesterday. There are multiple like LED. TV screens on the wall with giant countdowns on them. 18, 17, 16, 15. And that's it. That's all you get. And so you're not going to use those interviews as smoke screens, especially not where the Seahawks are now. They need to get to know these guys. And so, you know, I don't think they're going to waste any of those interviews on players that they aren't legitimately considering drafting in some way, shape, or form. So let me throw this on the screen because these are confirmed official interviews so far that the Seahawks have had at the Combine with quarterbacks. They've met with Drake May. They've met with Jaden Daniels. They've met with, okay, sorry. I've got Drake May listed twice on there. They did not meet with him twice. Uh, but they've met with J.J. McCarthy, and then I've got Michael Pratt uh, with an asterisk there um, because they met. He, he's, he mentioned that they met informally with him. They met with him at the Senior Bowl um, as recently as that. But they have met with May, Daniels, and McCarthy so far. They haven't met with Michael Penix. He was interviewed at the podium today, and he was asked directly. But it would make more sense that if they want to, and you would think that at some point it would happen. He's here. He's in Seattle. And so I'd be surprised if he's not one of their 30 visits. Also, Ryan Grubbs their offensive coordinator now. Ryan Grubb knows him. That doesn't mean they won't talk to him or don't want to because there's J.J. McCarthy. Well, Mike McDonald is going to know J.J. because he... He was a defensive coordinator at Michigan his freshman year. So why, when most people think that that those players, May and Daniel certainly, are going to go in the top three, why would they bother using any of their 45 allotted interviews to talk to those guys unless they're planning some potential big move up to get one of them? And in, McCarthy's another one, different story. It's possible he's there at 16, although the growing 
consensus seems to be among the scouting community. Everyone you listen to, everyone you talk to who's tied in, guys like Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, teams I talk to, just listen to Lance Zerline said this yesterday as well, teams I talk to like J.J. McCarthy a lot better than the public does. And they don't see him getting out of the top 12. But you probably don't have to move up as high to get him as you do May Daniels Williams, the consensus top three. How could the Seahawks move up? There's a couple of different ways. Obviously, you can throw a bunch of future first-round draft picks at a team. If you want to get into the top three, you'd have to do that. You'd probably have to put together something similar to what the San Francisco 49ers used to move up and get Trey Lance. But they don't even have a second-round pick, so you can't throw that on there. They have the extra third. So you probably have to involve a player. Who would that be? Well, we've, we've seen receivers used recently. Carolina used DJ Moore as part of their package to move up last year. Could that be Tyler Lockett? And with that cap hit and his age, maybe, maybe. Could it be DK Metcalf? I know that was tossed around last year. I would hate that. I think he's a guy that I want to see in Ryan Grubb's offense. But if you're trying to get that dude at quarterback, you have to give up something. Maybe. Obviously, it depends on the team. Hypothetically, you know, the fit. Could it be a corner? There's been some speculation that maybe Reek Woolen could be had in trade. The Seahawks have met with a number of cornerbacks as part of their 45 official interviews in the combine. Which is interesting because that doesn't seem to be a glaring need. Witherspoon, Trey Brown, Reek Woolen. Mike Jackson's a restricted free agent. They've got, they've got depth there, right? Cornerback doesn't seem to be an obvious need. Although anytime you hire a new defensive mind, he might just have a different fit in mind for what he wants to see on the outside. So that could potentially be a way of doing it. It could also just be due diligence in case one of these guys fall. But Dan, everybody says they're going to go top three. Yeah, because that's what we think. NFL teams don't necessarily agree. That draft two years ago, the early mocks, even up until the draft, there were mock drafters who had Desmond Ritter going at the back half of the first round. Malik Willis was a first rounder in mock drafts that year. Matt Corral was in the first round in many mock drafts that year. And yet Kenny Pickett was the only guy that ends up going in the first round that year. Corral and Ritter and Willis end up going the second and third. Howell in the fifth. It happens a lot. That teams don't value these quarterbacks as highly as we do. Or they just get scared off. And they don't want to take that chance. You know, 2021 might be a cautionary tale for some teams. First three picks, all quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. And there there are some kind of eerie parallels as I look at this, right? Trevor Lawrence was the anointed one. He was going to go first in the draft from the day he set foot on campus. It was just a matter of when he would be eligible. Caleb Williams has been that guy. Zach Wilson goes second. 
played 30 games in college. Guess how many games Drake May has played? 30 games. They're both seen as, as raw, but dripping with upside. It wasn't that long ago that Zach Wilson was thought of that way by some teams. 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, 73% completions his last year at BYU. Wasn't that long ago. And then Trey Lance goes third. He's the guy who didn't have as much playing experience, but uh, which is not a parallel. He just had one year of starting experience, had a bunch of injury issues. Jaden Daniels has started over 50 games in college, but but they're the dual threat types. You know, there's some kind of interesting parallels there. But maybe teams get a little bit gun shy when they look back at that. And then there's the idea that some of the teams that we assume are going to take quarterbacks at the top of the draft, what if they don't? What if New England, with Elliot Wolf running the show there now, personnel-wise, and without Bill Belichick in the building, what if they analyze their roster and look in the mirror and self-scout and realize we're nowhere near being ready to plug a rookie quarterback in under center? Because our roster is terrible. Because it is. What if New England decides not to take a quarterback at three? They could trade it to a team that wants to move up and get Daniels or May. But what if they just decide to stick, watch two quarterbacks go off the board, and take an elite prospect like Marvin Harrison as a building block and address quarterback later? Maybe even try to resurrect Mac Jones. That could throw a wrench in the whole thing. How about the rest of the draft order? There are those who think the Giants are going to take a quarterback at six. But are they really ready to invest draft capital in another young quarterback when they have so much tied up in Daniel Jones, can't really get out of that contract for another year? Or are they willing to add another premium player in another strong draft class and take one last shot with Jones? Atlanta at eight. There's growing buzz that that's the eventual landing spot for Justin Fields to the point that Vegas completely changed their odds a couple of days ago and made Atlanta the favorite. Usually Vegas works on Intel. Are they going to choose to go with a guy like Fields instead? One of these teams is. Maybe it's the Raiders. All right, Minnesota. Are they going to take a quarterback for sure? Kevin O'Connell just said at the Combine two days ago, we want to bring back Kirk Cousins. We're going to do everything we can to do that. We hope it'll work out. And they have other needs. Denver, yeah. At 12, they're taking a quarterback. Vegas, maybe. Antonio Pierce just talked up Aiden O'Connell again the other day, said he's going to be in the mix. He's going to be competing. And so maybe all the Seahawks have to do, maybe some crazy things happen at the top of the draft, and all they have to do is get in front of Denver or Vegas, which then becomes more realistic. That extra third and a first next year might do it. Right? You might only need to leapfrog one of those teams. So yeah, they're going to meet with these guys. Because one may fall, and McCarthy's a wild card. And they don't quite know where he's going to land. What about Chicago at nine? That might be a destination because they've already taken, theoretically, Caleb Williams at one, 
or whoever they deem the guy. The Jets at 10, we know about Schneider's connection and, and relationship with Joe Douglas, how many deals they've made over the years. So it's, we want answers now. And so we try to decipher this stuff because we want, whichever way you want this to go, you're looking for any tidbit of information, rumor, speculation that fits your desired outcome. And this time of year, with all the, the GM speak and double talk and, and just rampant speculation, there's so many opinions out there, it's pretty easy to just reach out and grab one that fits your desire. Um, since we're talking quarterbacks, and I had promised this a couple of days ago, since they're going to they're gonna go at the Combine tomorrow, we still don't know everyone who's going to throw and who's not. We know Penix is. Um, I think May and Williams have both said that they're not. I think Jaden Daniels said he's not going to throw either, which is really disappointing. Uh, thought it was time for my top 10 uh, quarterback rankings. Now, this is the the one group that I've been watching the longest, the most. I've I've felt comfortable putting this list out. I'm not there yet on the other position groups. I won't really get to that uh, or get that completed for the next uh, week or so. But as I finish those position by position, I'll unveil them. I'm looking at linebackers next. Um, here it is. Let me just put it up there for you. And I do not have Drake May listed twice on this one. And this one I just updated again about four days ago. I had it set. I won't tell you how it was set to begin with, although I will tell you this. I moved Jaden Daniels up. So here's my top 10. If you're listening on audio, I'll just list them through. My number one guy. And again, I've just adjusted this in the last few days to Jaden Daniels. And then I go Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, five, Bo Nick, six. And then we get into that next tier. Jordan Travis. Florida State, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, Michael Pratt, Tulane, and Joe Milton um, from Tennessee. Why do I have Daniels number one? I had to overcome some, some, some perceptions that I had and some feelings that I had about this that went all the way back to his time at Arizona State because I remember watching him as a true freshman beat WSU in Arizona. And I thought at the time, all he was, was a scrambler. And then I didn't really pay that close of attention to him for the next couple of years. And so when he transferred to LSU, I thought, huh, okay. Well, you know, LSU hasn't really had, other than Joe Burrow transferred there from Ohio State, they haven't really produced a lot of NFL quarterbacks. And that's an interesting choice, but he's an athlete. He's a scrambler. He has become a surgeon. And the more I watch his tape and I watch some new stuff, some all 22, just the other day, he just, he makes NFL throw after NFL throw. And, and I think my perception of what is he, what he was at Arizona state was just based on that coaching staff and what they did with him. But Brian Kelly made him into an NFL quarterback. He can make every throw. He's decisive. He scans the field. He makes reads. And, and those NFL throws that I look for, those second and third layer or level layered throws, right? One over one level of defender in front of another. He can push the ball to the sidelines. 
can throw the ball downfield with accuracy, and then the athleticism is off the charts. I've got Jaden Daniels, and he's and he started. I think it's fifty five games in college. We saw, and I think our thinking has has changed around this the last couple of years because of the success Brock Purdy had. You know, teams are asking themselves, how did we miss on that? Well, it's because they valued traits a little too much over experience. Daniels has both. He's played a ton of football. He's played it in big stadiums in front of big, you know, nasty crowds in big moments. That's why I've got him number one. Caleb Williams still believe in the talent. You know, I think some of the things at USC that he had to overcome where he, he you look at the stats of, of, in the games that they lost, how many points that, that defense gave up. You know, and, and and that might have lent itself to his gunslinger type of type of approach and, and how, you know, to me, his biggest weakness right now is he needs to learn in the NFL to just take what's there, take the check down sometimes. But at USC, it just got to the point where you could see that he was he was going for it on every play and sometimes to the team's detriment. But he felt like he had to because he couldn't trust that defense. Drake Mays at three, I think he looks the most like a prototypical, what, what used to be a prototype of quarterback in the NFL, but he's more athletic than you think he is. Uh, he, can, he can certainly make every throw. J.J. McCarthy, I know I'm higher on than, than some of you may be. I've talked to many of you about it, but it seems like the NFL is starting to catch up to this. Um, I think, you know, if he throws tomorrow, and I haven't heard that he's not going to, I think you'll see the arm talent, the athleticism, he's going to test well. And his interviews from everything I've read are off the charts. He's everything you want in a guy under center. And Mike McDonald certainly knows him. And so if the Seahawks are interviewing him and, and looking into him, you know, they must have gotten pretty good reports from the guy who was the defensive coordinator um, there at Michigan. I've got Penix at five, and this was a, an adjustment I made in the last week or so too. I had Nick's ahead of him for a time just because I thought Nick's athleticism kind of fit a little bit more of the modern NFL. Um, you know, some have questions about Nick's ability to push the ball down the field. I don't. I've seen him make you know, big time throws down the field. Uh, but I put Penix ahead of him simply because of the arm. It's a special, special arm. It's the best arm in this class. And one of the best arms we've seen in the last few draft classes. You know, questions about his medical history, all of that stuff. I get it. But that arm is so special. He's played a ton of football. He's overcome adversity. He's played in big moments and big games. That's why I've got him, uh, slightly over Bo Nix. And then there's a huge drop-off. I mean, we might be talking about now, you know, one of these guys is probably going to fall into the second round. And then and then we're talking third round, I think, after that. And the reason I have Travis at seven ahead of Rattler and Pratt, these guys are all pretty close. I would say that they're lumped together. You know, there's three tiers. There's Daniels, Williams, May. The second tier is McCarthy, Penix, Nix. The third tier for me is Travis, Rattler, Pratt. And then there's a big fall-off before my number 10. Uh, I see plays that Travis made that are special. I see a, a really quick release. Some say that his arm isn't good enough. I, I disagree with that. I see a really quick release velocity on the ball. I see him getting the ball into tight windows. And it's not because he's forcing the ball recklessly. It's because he sees it and he has, he has good instincts. I see him throwing the ball on the run. I see him throwing it under pressure. I see him being able to get out 
out of the pocket and make plays. Now, hopefully that element of his game will still be there when he recovers from the broken leg. He might not be, he might be this year's Hendon hooker where potentially he's not ready to go. He's not ready to play as a rookie. Um, so you try, you draft him. If he's there with one of those extra picks for the Seahawks and they haven't taken a quarterback yet, then I'm taking him all day long. And I'm just, you know, stashing him on the injured list if I can and trying to develop him there. He's a really exciting player. Uh, also, I, I couldn't help but be influenced uh, by Max Brown when he was on the show um, a month ago. And, and I asked him for his version of this year's Brock Purdy. And he mentioned Travis as a guy that he really thought could be an NFL quarterback. Rattler is the wild card in this whole thing. You see a lot of really cool stuff on tape. There are some people who are extremely high on him. Um, the release is so confident and strong. He's really got some arm talent. Um, he had a terrible, terrible offensive line. Six starters there injured last year, just constantly rotating guys in and out there. Yet he never complained. You know, he had to overcome some perceptions of uh, some immaturity earlier in his career. Uh, he was a two-time captain at South Carolina, never complained about the offensive line, didn't let it affect his game. He didn't become um, gun shy or jumpy at all. He can make plays on the move. He could scramble around a little bit. Uh, the one thing I saw on tape that did concern me is uh, I saw in uh, I charted two games recently where he threw six deep balls. Five of them were underthrown. Um, so that's something that he would certainly need to fix. I think he has the arm to do it. And then Michael Pratt is a guy with a lot of experience. Again, tons of starts at the college level. Uh, none of his traits really jump out at you on tape, but reads feel well, uh, field well, scans the field. Um, good decision maker, doesn't throw interceptions. He's got the, some athleticism to him. Um, and he, he just looks like a very competent quarterback. And then Joe Milton, um, I've gone on here at 10 uh, simply because of the arm. I still don't know. I, I've watched a few games of his on all 22, and I still can't tell you as I sit here today if he's an NFL quarterback or not. Um, I don't know about his decision-making. That offense is hard to gauge at Tennessee. He's got guys running wide open. It was a similar challenge last year, trying to make sense of how good of an NFL prospect Hendon Hooker was before his injury. Um, but the arm is there. Man, you watch him push the ball uh, outside the hash marks, and it's it's incredible. But it's, it's kind of a funky, the way he does it, it's very upright. He's a big dude. He's 6'5", 240. He stands uh, straight up and down. He kind, of he kind of throws straight up and down. doesn't really stride into it. Doesn't get his lower half involved, which shows you even more so how special that arm is. Um, sort of stands back there like a statue. He can move, but it's not his strength. You don't want him moving. There was a really ugly play where he was scrambling to his left in the senior bowl and tried to throw it um, uh, to his running back and just just spiked the ball uh, that didn't look good. That's not what you want him doing. That's not his game. But there's so much arm there that, that there's a little something to work with there. So that's uh, that's my top 10. Tell me what you think of that. Give me your feelings on uh, what, what you think the Seahawks are going to do. Do you see any clues that lead you to believe they're leaning one way or the other. It's easy to talk yourself into either argument, right? I can 
absolutely see a scenario where because of this big change and we're moving into a new era that this is the quarterback class where you take a chance and you figure the rest of it out. You do what the Rams have done the last couple of years and you just you just make sure that you make some really shrewd picks in rounds three, four, and five to stock your roster. You go after some, some mid and lower tier free agents once you clear some cap space and fill some of your holes that way. And you bank on these last two draft classes that you believe so much in. Some of, some of those guys uh, haven't even contributed yet. It's, uh, it, this offseason doesn't get any less fascinating as we get each day deeper into it. And what is the, uh, the current as we are now, precisely as I record this, 55 days, 5 hours, 14 minutes, and 31, 30, 29, 28 seconds away from the NFL draft. I cannot wait. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Thank you for supporting the show. Be sure to subscribe. Let me know in the comments what you think. Forever and always, go Hawks. See you next time.